Hi, I'm Cassie, host of the Curiosity Junkie podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit the subscribe button to follow us and receive new episodes each week. If you really enjoy the podcast and you're feeling generous, please hit the donate button. We work hard to create original content and keep the podcast ad-free. Today's guest is here to discuss men's health, erectile dysfunction, the prostate, and infertility. Please welcome Dr. Justin Hooman to the podcast. Hi, Dr. Justin Hooman. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Of course. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to dive into so many aspects of men's health. First, though, I want to know what brought you to medicine? What made you go into this field? So medicine, medicine in general, I think the reason why I went to medical school, well, a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, my father was a urologist. So, you know, having seen him, um, his day-to-day -day life and what he did, you know, the technical aspects of it, but more, more importantly, the, you know, the fact that very, he had a very gratifying, very satisfying career where he was helping people. You could tell he was very happy about it every day he'd come home. The fact that he was providing a service to the community and in doing so, it made him happy. So that part obviously intrigued me. When I went to medical school, I had no idea I was going to be a urologist. I thought I was going to be an orthopedic surgeon. I did a rotation in urology just to see, you know, what it was like, the day-to-day, -day, the day-to-day -day, um, clinical aspects, surgical aspects. Just again, because my father was a urologist. So I did it and I'm like, wow, it completely changed my mind in so many ways. I think the personalities of urologists are very unique. Uh, the surgeries that urologists do are awesome. It's very tech. We, we have a lot of technology within the field of urology. We deal with so many different types of surgeries. You know, we do cancer, pediatrics, female urology, kidney stones, men's health, fertility, testosterone management. Um, even though urology is such a small field, there's so much diversity within it. So all these things, they resonated with me. And then, um, like I said, I love the personalities within the field. No urologists take themselves too seriously. Uh, we have a good, amongst surgeons, we have a good quality of life. So uh, for me, it was a no-brainer. Once I did that rotation, that was it for me. Right. And I follow you on Instagram. That's kind of how I found you. And you post some great stuff. Um, the picture, I think it's a surgery picture. And it's like you're looking in a machine. And I think, wow, <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, looking into the microscope. Yeah, so I specialize in microscopic surgery. It's amazing. Fascinating. Well, I do want to jump into the erectile dysfunction piece first and talk a little bit about what is it? What can we do for it? So erectile dysfunction is incredibly common. I see a lot of, you know, so basically what I always tell patients is 40% of guys before the age of 40 will have some form of erectile dysfunction. And what is erectile dysfunction? It's not being able to gain an erection or maintain an erection during intercourse and ultimately leading to uh, un unsatisfying intercourse or unsatisfying sexual quality of life, what have you. Um, so it's incredibly common, you know, and, and as you age, it's, it becomes more and more common, more and more people experience this. 40% of guys at the age of 40, 50% of guys at the age of 50, 60 at the age of 60 and so on. The penis is like any other organ, right? It's like the heart, the brain, the kidneys as you age just doesn't work the same way that it used to. You know, 50 years ago, it was a completely different ballgame. But now, I promise you, some way, somehow, we will be able to get you a good, strong erection. It all depends on how aggressive the patient wants to be in terms of how invasive they want to be with our treatment options. But there's treatment options all the way from pills to surgery and everything in between. To answer your question about the, the partner aspect, of course, you know, sex, it's... Well, look, sex is such an important part of our lives. No one likes to talk about it, right? Right, right. Uh, so it's... And to have issues with sex... Uh, I mean, I think 
broad, broad majority of people, of couples, have some types of issues with sex, whether it's the guy, whether it's the male, whether it's the female, whether it's both. Um, and it's 100% fine, right? But um, if it's bothering you, think there's things you have to do to, you know, there's options out there to seek discussions about it, seek treatment options, whether it's your sex drive is not there, your erectile function is not there, things aren't pleasurable, whatever it is. There's so many options for both men and women to help address any, any issues with a poor sexual quality of life. What, um, I know I saw that you, you talk a little bit about like the root cause versus just medicating or, you know, covering something up, which I love that because it's like, let's get into what's really going on in your body. What are some of the things that can maybe make ED worse or maybe even be the cause of it? There's numerous things, right? In order, so, I mean, to break it down, you need, you need a couple things to have an erection. You need blood flow in, right? You know, blood flow into the penis, strong blood flow. Uh, you need a good nervous system because that stimulates the, the dilation of the arteries to get blood flow in. You need good hormone levels, testosterone and estrogen, a nice balance between the two. And then lastly, you can't have any stress or any like performance anxiety issues associated with it. So it's more for young guys, but um, you know, anytime a young guy has, has a poor erection, they think about it the next time some of those stress hormones go up and then it's this vicious cycle where the next time they won't be able to have a good strong erection, it goes down from there. So anything, any, anything that can impact those four things. So overall health, you have diabetes, high blood, high blood pressure, high cholesterol levels, those could impact blood flow in, if you had any trauma to the brain, spinal cord, pelvic area, those could damage the nerves. Hormone levels, you know, as, as guys age, testosterone levels go down. And sometimes they go down to a point where it's going to affect your, your, your libido, your sex drive, um, even your erectile function. So hormone levels are something you always have to check. Um, and then lastly, like we talked about, just minimizing stress and anxiety associated with it. It should be a stress-free act. Uh, but again, you know, people, you know, everybody, everybody at some point will experience some type of anxiety, performance anxiety, stress associated with it. So again, it's so, so normal. And that's the thing. We have to realize that it's incredibly, incredibly normal to have issues. Yeah. And it's something I don't think is talked about. Like people just don't talk about it. Everybody's like, oh, that's not <laughs> and then you feel all alone because you're like, well, if nobody's talking about it, it's just me. It's my problem. And so that's why I wanted to have you on and really kind of talk about it, normalize it. It's not that big a deal. Have conversations about it. And I think it's really important with couples too, to, to have those conversations. How can a partner support someone with erectile dysfunction? What's the best advice you have for the partner? What I would say is, uh, obviously, and this is something that I think most partners probably do, but it's really to, to accept the issue um, and then help them seek out options for it. Uh, provide them reassurance that if it will, I would say is if it's bothering you, it's worth having a healthy discussion with, with your partner about it and letting them know, hey, listen, I'm not enjoying this part of it. And I think together we should seek out some options for it. Because again, there's so many options, right? There's so many options. And you will, if you are having erectile dysfunction, I promise you, we could get you a good, good strong erection in order to have a good, happy sexual quality of life. So um, just being there and letting them know that you're there to support them. Right, right. Uh, great advice. And then also, I, I was watching, I think, a couple of podcasts or um, shows that you were on, and you talked about a process where there was like a, uh, not a bag, but something inside 
that the fluid you can do something and the fluid comes out and it can create an erection oh the sur are you talking about the surgery yeah yeah so this is um so as i mentioned um everywhere from pills to, to surgery on the other yeah the, the the upper end of it and this is the gold standard that we have out now it's something called a inflatable penile prosthesis where um everything is it's a self-contained device within the skin where it's three pieces we call it a three piece you have a reservoir a small balloon that sits in your lower abdomen you have a small pump that sits between your two testicles and then um you have cylinders that sit within the erectile bodies of the penis as you can imagine again everything's with internalized underneath the skin so you don't see anything on the outside so what you do is anytime you want to have an erection you pump the, the you, you pump the pump in the scrotum you squeeze on it and the fluid from the reservoir will go into the cylinders and give you, you know, give you that erection. Um, the beauty of this is it's been around. So, you know, we're all very well versed at doing the surgery as men's health specialists. We all do this day in and day out. Uh, it's good because it's uh, very, it leads to good, strong erections. It doesn't compromise the nerves. So sex is still extremely pleasurable because the nerves, we don't touch any of the nerves. So, Essentially, um, the sensation, the orgasm, the, the pleasure of intercourse is not impacted in any way. If anything, it's improved because your erections are improving. And, you know, it's very well tolerated. You know, outpatient surgery, guys are usually able to start having sex within a few weeks. More importantly, this, um, we're working, or one of the companies that we work with, actually, they're creating a device where that pump between the scrotum is going to be eliminated. And there's going to be a motor that will transfer the fluid from the reservoir into the um, cylinders of the penis and that's controlled by a Bluetooth device. So that's probably going to come out within the next couple of years. Um, yeah. So that's the next, that's the next era of, of these penile prostheses, but as they are now, they're great. They're great. Patients love them. Yeah. Isn't technology amazing? I, I love how it's just constantly changing the way we live. That is amazing. <laughs> Exponential growth. It's great. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about prostate, healthy prostate. Oh, I'm guessing and assuming that as men age, that becomes more and more an issue or can. Definitely. Yeah. So the prostate, um, as men, we all have it. What is it used for? Uh, it's primarily used in reproduction. Um, it provides, help provide some of the fluids that are needed for sperm to survive within the vaginal canal. Um, and it serves as a means in which the various uh, components of semen kind of come together in the prostate and then they, they are ejaculated out. So the prostate, it's important. It's definitely important. But as we age, it does like anything else. It could potentially create some problems. Um, two things, two problems. So the way to think about the prostate, think of it like a donut. And the, that inner portion of the donut is the channel in which urine goes through. Now, as you age, that donut's going to grow. Either the outside of the donut grows or the inside. And as you can imagine, if the inside of that donut grows, you're going to obstruct the flow of urine and you're not going to be able to empty your bladder well. So a lot of guys, as their prostate grows, they'll, they'll say, hey, listen, I'm waking up two, three times a night because they're not able to empty their bladder the way they were when they were 18. Right. So that's one issue. It's called benign prostatic hyperplasia. It's a benign growth of the prostate, but it's growth. That in itself is incredibly, incredibly common. We have so many, again, there's pills, there's pills, minimally invasive procedures, and then surgery to address that. But one issue with the prostate. The other one as you age is prostate cancer. And this is uh, obviously everyone's, everyone's heard of prostate cancer. Prostate cancer is, you know, we're always, you know, learning more about it in terms of uh, what the best way to address it is. But prostate cancer, um, 
it, you know, the, the, the thing to do is always check your PSA. PSA is a, a blood test that um, it gives us a sense of what's going on within the prostate. It's not a perfect test, but that with um, a physical exam and sometimes even imaging, those three could give us a sense of if you have prostate cancer. Uh, but the key thing is, I, I generally tell patients at the age of 40, especially if you're high risk, if you have a family member, like a father or brother um, who have had a history of prostate cancer, uh, high risk pa patients themselves start getting annual blood tests at the age of, of 40, just to check your PSA once a year. That's right. key. So it is one of those things that if somebody in your family has had it, you're yeah, on the probability yeah. list. It's definitely a genetic component. It's absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. You're already like when it comes to the prostate, you're already having issues with urinating. How, how would you know if there's a, a more major problem? Cause here's the thing I think about a lot of men and probably I'm talking about more my age tend to go, I don't need to go to the doctor. <laughs> this is just normal. When is it not normal? Like what would be some signs someone could look for? with prostate cancer if they're not doing the normal testing <laughs> yeah prostate cancer really is um you know you, you really don't have when it's when it's within when it's localized within the prostate itself you're not going to really have symptoms it's very rare to have any symptoms sometimes very rarely would you have blood in the urine very rarely uh sometimes you'll have issues with urination like i talked about waking up at night but that's more with the benign growth of the prostate rather than prostate cancer but you start to have symptoms of prostate cancer once it spreads outside the prostate. It generally spreads to the bones, and sometimes you'll get bone pain. Um, at that point, it's it's tough. It's a it's a little bit harder. It's a lot harder to treat because at that point, it's metastatic disease. Um, so you know when it's within the prostate, there's no real signs, but you know to to look for. That's why that's why I stressed earlier about getting that annual blood test, making sure that you you're seeing your physician, whether it's your primary care doctor or your urologist, just to make sure that level is staying steady. It's not shooting up. Because if it does, you know, again, there's things we could do to see if it is prostate cancer. And if it is, again, with, if it's within the prostate, you have a lot of good options, a lot of good options. Right. Do you hear that, guys? Go get your PSA annually. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you just have such a wide range of knowledge here. I want to get as much as I can from you while I have you. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about infertility. And the reason I, I popped it in our conversation was I saw a post that you were doing a um, vasectomy reversal. You could definitely reverse it. Uh, so I'm here in Los Angeles. And in Los Angeles, it's common. You know, the reasons why people do it are either, you know, they had, you know, they had a first family ended up getting a vasectomy, they remarry, their new wives, their new partners want more children, so you reverse it. For us who we do it here, there's only a handful of us who probably do it just because we're all fellowship trained. We've done a fellowship within this field of, of men's health and microsurgery. But yeah, it's technically challenging. It's all under, done underneath a microscope. And the VAS, the VAS deference, as men, some men may know, some may, may not, but it's, uh, it's a thick tube within your script that connects your testicle to... Um, your urethra essentially, but you could feel it. It's this, it's this uh, tube within the, the, the cord that feels like an al dente pasta. And um, when, you, when you get the vasectomy, that is cut out, it's separated, it's severed, so you're no longer transmitting sperm from the testicles to the outside world. And then when you do the reversal, we're reattaching it. And you really have to, you have to do it under a microscope because the tube, the lumen within it is so small 
um, that you can't do it under the naked eye. There's no way you would see it. So yeah, it's, 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 it's a technically challenging surgery, but obviously very fun and very um, it's fun to do. It's great to do actually. Yeah. Yes. Yes. In my head, when I think of infertility, I think of the female side because you know I have a female brain so that's where I go <laughs> what are some things for infertility in men like what are some of the signs or how would how would a guy know yeah so the best way of knowing is doing a semen analysis because that gives us an objective number of uh tells us a few things it tells us if what the number that what the count is of the sperm like how how concentrated your sperm is how much ejaculate you have how, how the sperm move how the sperm look um, and it gives us a little bit more information in terms of any type of inflammatory markers, the pH within it. But it gives, it, that's the best first test to see if you're fertile or you're not fertile. Now, if could a 35-year-old guy who was just um, was otherwise healthy, who's never had any problems in his life, uh, be infertile, like essentially be sterile? Yeah, absolutely. And is there any way of knowing without doing the semen analysis? Unlikely. But the thing to remember is this. It's, you know, I always preach this. It's both erectile dysfunction and male infertility are good proxies for overall health, right? So if you are if you are having erectile dysfunction at a young age, if you are having infertility issues at a young age, these could be like markers that you're overall you're not a healthy person, right? You have diabetes, you have high cholesterol, undiagnosed diabetes, you have undiagnosed high cholesterol, you have undiagnosed high blood pressure, amongst other things, low testosterone issues. Like I said, erectile dysfunction and fertility issues. It's important to see somebody especially a men's health specialist who could address these issues, not just, again, not just mask and correct the erectile dysfunction and fertility, but more importantly, identify what the, the cause is. And again, that could potentially be an overall health issue. And then we could fix both by addressing the cause. We could address the ED or fertility issues down the road. Right. So what kind of things can you do for infertility? Is that, is there much you can do to like increase sperm count and help with that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, depends on what the cause is. Sometimes, you know, the different things that could cause fertility issues, there's a huge genetic component. By that, I mean familial in some sense, like let's say your father had some fertility issues, you could potentially have some fertility issues. But, you know, there's probably hundreds of genes that control fertility. Today, today in the year 2021, we only know of about four. So we test for those four. Sometimes if you have that genetic issue that we're testing for, Sometimes you're deemed sterile where you're never able to have a child. So genetics is one component. Um, there's always anatomic issues as well. There's something called a varicocele. A varicocele is varicose veins of the testicles. So the testicles like to live within a very narrow temperature range. That's why they live in the scrotum, right? The scrotum relaxes and pulls, takes it away from the body and then pulls it up depending on how hot or cold it is outside. So that's the whole, yeah, so that's the range. But when you get varicose veins of the testicles, blood pools around it. Blood is generally hot, so it raises the temperature and it limits the, it decreases the testicle's ability to produce good sperm. So um, there's a there's a surgery that we do for that. Again, that one's under the, done a, underneath the microscope and that's called a varicoselectomy, where we're able to ligate and tie off those veins, those dilated varicose veins, and in doing so, restore natural blood flow to the testicle and making sure that um, that temperature and backflow pressure of the uh, varicose veins is eliminated. Yeah. Well, who knew you could have varicose veins in the testicles? Like Very common, very common. Okay, yeah, I'm learning so much. I love that. <laughs> what, what are some things pe uh, men could do if they are struggling with a low sperm count? Are there things they can do independently of like procedures or not really? 
No, I mean, if you are suffering from a low sperm count, I would say see a male fertility specialist without questions. I mean, obviously, as soon as possible, because um, there's things that we could do to, again, identify the cause and then treat it. But doing at-home things, um, you know, there's supplements and vitamins that you could potentially take. Is that going to help you significantly? Tough to say, but you really should see, you should seek a, a male fertility specialist if you are having any low sperm count issues and um, if it's really uh, affecting your reproductive goals. Yeah. Right. Right. I love it. Well, I'm just so happy that you came on and you've been sharing so much information with us. How can, how can the audience connect with you? In many ways. Um, obviously I'm active on social media. So my Instagram is justin.human.md. Um, human is spelled H O U M A N. You can find me on Google if you just Google my name, Justin Human MD. I have a, uh, you'll see my profile, you'll see my website, or you could call my office. Uh, I'm, I'm here located in Los Angeles by Cedar Sinai. It's 310-854-9898. So um, just Google me and you can find numerous, numerous ways of contacting me. But yeah, if you have any questions, feel free to, to call or send me a message on Instagram. I'm happy to help out. Fantastic. I love that. What, um, what advice would you leave the male audience with today? You know, I would say this, it's men's health is, um, I think previous generations of men, let's say like my father's age, 60 plus, they weren't as in tune or in line with their, with, with their health issues. If they were having health issues, whether it was fertility or ED or whatever it was, they kind of put it on the back burner and be like, it's okay, it's okay. And I think um, my generation, generations after me for sure, we're much more in line with our health, which is great. And that's why that's one of the reasons I went into men's health, because it's, I think men are much more proactive in, in, in addressing these issues that they're having. So if you are having ED, if you are having fertility issues, fertility issues, testosterone issues, what have you, seek consultation, because it's normal, number one, it's very common, number two, and number three, it's there's great options that could correct this and provide you with lifelong better overall quality of life, sexual quality of life, and then yeah, help with your reproductive goals need be. Yeah, there's, you know, if you're having issues, feel free to reach out. And again, I gave you my information earlier, so feel, feel free to reach out if I can help out in any way. Yeah, absolutely. And I will post all of the ways to connect with Justin Human on all of the descriptions within uh, the podcast and on YouTube. Well, Justin, thank you so much for coming on. I think this is a great place to wrap up. And um, I think the biggest message I'm getting from everything we've talked about is a lot of these things are very normal and very common. And the more we talk about them, the more action people take. So thank you so much for coming on. No, thank you for having me. This is great. I appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. And to all of you out there, thank you for tuning in, listening, watching. Stay safe, and I will see you soon. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit the subscribe button to follow us and receive new episodes each week. If you really enjoy the podcast and you're feeling generous, please hit the donate button. We work hard to create original content and keep the podcast ad-free.